0: Good evening and welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. You know, it's been a very exciting time for us here at Apple. Uh, In the last month, we launched Apple Watch, which has been designed with a range of assistive technologies and features to make it easy for people of all abilities to use and enjoy. And with Global Accessibility Awareness Day coming on Thursday, we wanted to invite a few key people from our accessibility community to hear their thoughts about Apple Watch and what it means to the accessibility community. First of all here we have David Woodbridge. David is a technology consultant at Vision Australia and his role involves evaluating technology for people who are blind or have low vision. He actually lost his sight when he was eight years old and has been using assistive technology both in his professional and in his personal life. David, we're thrilled to have you here with us tonight. Next, we have Alex Jones, who was born deaf and was the chairperson of the Deafness Forum of Australia. He has an impressive range of skills. He's an amazing guy, and not only is the co-founder of Access Innovation Media, but he's also an actor, a theatre director, and a performer. Alex, thank you so much for being here with us. And lastly, we have David Niemeyer, who is here all the way from Amsterdam. He flew in just today. And he's the founder and CEO of AssistiveWare, which is the world leader in universal access and communication solutions, both for the Mac and for iOS. David will be discussing his role in developing assistive technologies for his most recent project, the text-based communication app, Proloquo for text. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome our three extraordinary guests with a warm round of applause. David, you've been using assistive technology since you were young and you've watched it evolve over time. I think we'd all love to know, what are your initial thoughts uh, on first using Apple Watch?
1: Yep, I think my initial thoughts about the Apple Watch was the fact that how very easy it was to use and how easy it was for me as an iPhone user to transfer what I'd been using on the iPhone with voiceover over to the Apple Watch. And also, too, when you come down to it, the Apple Watch is really only the touchscreen the Friends button and a digital crown, and really, that's it, and off you go. So once you started using it, what were some of the things that that surprised you? As I said, I think that one of the first things that surprised me is how much my voiceover skills were be able to translate it from the iPhone over to the Apple Watch. So, for example, the gestures that I use for voiceover on the iPhone are very similar to the Apple Watch. And I guess also, to me because I'm literally just flicking or dragging my finger around the screen, finding the icons for me is extremely easy. So for me, it was just a very sequential linear process on using the watch out of the box. And and what's the feature you enjoy the most? The feature that I absolutely enjoy the most is the ping function. Uh, Of course, I've got two boys, an eight and a 10 year old, and they're always forgetting to put back the famous remote for the Apple TV. So with the remote actually on my wrist with the Apple Watch, I can never actually lose my remote from my Apple TV. So that, for me, is actually absolutely fantastic, having the remote now on my wrist. And and in terms of the future of assistive technology and the role it plays in people's lives with disability, how does this device make a difference? Look, I I think it's the fact that it really does show the other manufacturers and developers what can be done, which, when all said and done, is a very visual interface to make it truly accessible for everybody. So it's not just for somebody who is totally blind, it's for anybody with any ability or disability. So I just hope that the fact that Apple... is the fact that Apple's continuing their accessibility improvements as, as they do with all their products, that, as I said, the other manufacturers will step up and improve their products as well.
0: And Alex, as a, as a person with uh, hearing impairment... Uh, What initially drew you to the Apple platform and what's been your experience with the assistive technologies on Apple devices?
2: So I use I was quite excited about the watch and I use the haptic Technology, it's a pulsating So that tells me when I arrive in the city and I'm looking for something looking for a place to arrive at I can I can find out I can find out my navigation to get there. So, whereas the hearing community um, can, with the deaf, with the deaf community, we can we can feel our we can feel the pulses whether to go left or right. And one thing I'm excited about: um, deaf people rely on sensitivity, on feeling. So we, because we can't hear, we have to take everything in. Um, through, through our feelings. So, if I'm running, um, it's good because I can feel the... I can feel the... App, I can feel the vibrations. So, I can feel uh, how fast I'm going, it'll let me know that, whether to slow down or go quicker. So, I'm excited about that app.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Tell us a little bit, Alex, about your experience of using the accessibility features on iPhone.
2: Well, accessibility for the deaf people is, is amazing. I think the video technology uh, whereas people can sign to each other through that platform, or when you send a message, you can you can you can read that message through a visual and visual and text communication and it's it's quite easy to be able to communicate in that way. But, but, it gives me advice um, in real it gives me the communication in real time, yeah so that instant communi- communication in in, in in real time gives us the access the equal access um, was before having only relied on a phone we we had we had the barriers, but now I feel like we're on equal footing so the communication will benefit us, because we, we can have full inclusion. Not only that, but with all the apps, they really help me to be engaged. Like if I'm going to a club, and the mu- there's music, I, and I can see my friend who has maybe an app called Shazam, and trying to find the the name of a song. so. I can use a, another app called SoundHound, where I can, I can recognise the music and it'll actually display the lyrics. So, and it's good because I want to know what they're singing about. So that's cool.
0: So I, I love Shazam and SoundHound. Uh, tell us about your favourite app. What's your all-time favourite app on iPhone?
2: My favourite app... Well, I'm a little bit ashamed to say this, but maybe everyone else, Facebook.
0: (laughs) I don't think you're alone in that. And, Alex, what excites you about Apple Watch?
2: Well, when you asked me that question, I only got this, but I, I recently got this, so I'm really exploring it at the moment. I think it's really cool because... It it gives you the opportunity to communicate through feeling with someone else who has an Apple Watch as well. So that's what I like about it. You can hold your fingers down onto the face of the watch and send a heartbeat to my loved one who has to have an iWatch as well. So that's quite an intimate experience. And I like that intimacy. So David, you've been developing uh, bespoke assistive technology
0: on a mainstream consumer device for a very long time now. What are some of the major apps that
3: you've developed? One of the apps that is uh, most well known is ProLocal2Go. It's a communication solution for people who cannot speak. It's a symbol supported app so that even young children who are unable to read and write can use it as a communication solution. And what's really nice is that it gives you access on a consumer device to a means to communicate. There are about 300,000 people in Australia that are unable to make themselves understood uh, using their own voice, and having this kind of technology available makes a really big choice. We have another app called Prologo for Texts, which is also for people who can't speak, but who do read and write.
0: So you're clearly passionate about what you do. We're curious to know, you know how did this come about? Tell me, tell me your story.
3: Yeah. So, um, I'm actually by training an environmental geographer, I uh, have a PhD in agriculture and environmental sciences and that was what I was doing until a friend of mine had a very serious car accident, broke his neck and he was looking for a way to be able to use his Mac for graphic design, which he had been doing with his hands but since he had broken his neck he wasn't able to, uh, to use his hands anymore And I developed an on-screen keyboard for him that would allow him access not just to the computer for typing, but also to use Photoshop, uh, things like control, option, click to be able to uh, zoom out, those kind of features. And so the accident changed his life, and subsequently that changed my life. And once you start developing this kind of technology, there are always people that point out other things that might be really useful. So over time I got more and more involved in this.
0: And can you tell us a little bit more about Proloquo for text?
3: So Proloquo for text is a communication solution, a so called augmentative and alternative communication solution that allows people who read and write to communicate using text uh, It provides word prediction, sentence prediction, you can set it, put in some standard phrases, runs on the iPhone, iPad and now also on the Apple Watch. So uh, when you want to use it on your Apple Watch, you basically define some phrases in the iPhone app, and then you have access to those phrases on the watch. You can select a phrase you want to quickly say, you press it, and then it will show at the full screen, upside down, so that your communication partner, when you twist your wrist in their direction, uh, are, is able to see it. And that works really well in situations where it's really noisy and uh, situations where you may not want to pull out your watch, uh, sorry, where you may not want to pull out your iPhone from your pocket or your bag.
0: So David, who would download Proloquo for text and and why?
3: So this is typically people with, for example, ALS or motor neuron disease that are losing their voice. Um, People with cerebral palsy use it a lot. Basically anyone who is unable to be understood but has reasonable reading and writing skills. And I was at a conference last week uh, called the Agoski Conference, which is focused on these kind of solutions for people who cannot communicate. And there were quite a few users of this kind of technology and they were very, very excited about the Apple Watch and the ability to quickly access uh, some phrases without having to grab for their iPhone.
0: And now that proloquo for text is available for Apple Watch, how will this change how people use it?
3: Um, What we see is that because it's consumer-based technology, it's something that people feel really comfortable using. Um, It's really nice to have a watch like everyone else that you use for all these different things, but in addition, you have the ability to use it for communication. And uh, it will really help in, in settings like in a bar where it's really noisy, or maybe you're out on the street and you don't feel comfortable pulling out your iPhone. In many of those kind of situations, it will give you access to some quick-fire phrases that you have defined yourself.
0: So, so David and Alex, you've, you've both been using assistive technology from a very young age. Uh, perhaps, Alex, first, can you tell us a little bit about the journey of using those products?
2: Yeah, it's good exercise for me, having to get up and stand up all the time. Yeah, and the, the Apple Watch will recognize that activity. So. So technology is interesting for um, the deaf community, especially me. I grew up in America, and back then, there was no phone communication um, to enable deaf people to use the phone. So my first technology was an old, it's called a TDD. TDD is deaf teletyping for the deaf. Yeah, it's an old. It's an old. It was a big unit. It was like a telegraph machine, and you would pick up the receiver, and you would put put it onto. You would attach it to the machine, and that would connect. And then you would start to type, and it would relay between. That, that's very old technology. When I was growing up, it's wonderful to see how quickly that's that's exploded from from uh, from the d- days of Nokia. And Nokia was very fast, um, very popular with the deaf people because you have a lot of characters that you could... 40 characters. Yeah, that was the limitation. So... So I know... I know more people know about the telemessage than hearing people. And I remember when... I was using my Nokia, I'd ask people like my hearing friends could, about sending messages and they wouldn't know what I was talking about. I'd say SMS and then I'd have to say short message service and they'd be like, what? And I'd explain. So a lot of the hearing community didn't know about the, the text messages. So that's an interesting conversion over time. So now SMS and you've got you know, Skype and... Uh, FaceTime, so that's incredible for, yeah, I feel like we're edging towards equality with it.
0: David, how about you? Tell us about your journey.
1: I've had a very long journey, um, almost practically 30 years now playing with technology. Funny enough, my first computer was actually, or one of my first computers was actually an Apple IIe. And the trend with technology back then for blind or low vision folks was the fact that most of this stuff had to be provided by a hardware circuit board inside the machine or later on via software running on the operating system. Um, And that was true into the 90s and the early 2000s. And the problem with most of this assistive technology for blind or low vision is that generally it's fairly expensive, although that's changing now. But... With the event of VoiceOver on Mac OS 10 in 2005, to me that was a really good eye-opener, so to speak, no pun intended, um, about the fact that the built-in operating system had a truly proper screen reader for a, a blind person being able to completely operate the machine as far as the operating system was concerned, applications such as word processing, email and web browsing. Because up until that stage, the other manufacturers that have developed built-in screen readers weren't really fully functional screen readers, and VoiceOver, for my benefit, was the fact that it was the first fully accessible screen reader on an operating system. And then, of course, we had the fantastic introduction of the iPhone 3GS in 2009. I literally felt like I went to heaven um, because not only could I use a mobile phone that, again, had a built-in screen reader, again, called VoiceOver, Um, that it was mainstream technology. Everybody had it. I paid the same price as everybody else did. And, of course, being a smartphone, it opened up my world to being more in touch with my social media contacts, podcasting, Skyping, all sorts of things. And then with the extension of the VoiceOver in the iPad in 2010, um, of course, we had the fantastic ability then to read iBooks and I've always been an avid book reader and now we have other sources of book reading, but the iBooks was fantastic. And then in 2015, of course, now with the Apple Watch, it's, uh, I have an, another ability to be able to be even more productive with my device. And of course, as with all Apple products, is not only built into the Apple Watch, it's also in the Apple TV. I can independently set up the time capsule at home as well to store my data. So really from way to go with all the Apple products that I've been using over a 30 year period, it really has just got better and better. Apple has absolutely never ever dropped the ball as far as supporting accessibility. It's always been built in. Apple's fantastic at receiving feedback on their products. So I urge anybody that wants to actually find out about our products to go to an Apple store and have a play or as we say at Vision Australia, evaluate because we don't enjoy ourselves and play with things. Um, you know, look on the website, listen to podcasts, have a play, and then make up your, your own mind. I, I should say in ending, too, that the way I find that the tech general audience have been talking about the Apple Watch is actually very strange, because by my feeling, particularly with voiceover, the transition from the same skill set that I use on the iPhone with voiceover is extremely similar to the way I, I use it on the Apple Watch. So, for me... The translation, the moving forward on Apple technology has just been a very smooth transition, particularly in this case from the iPhone 3GS six years ago.
0: And so, Alex and David, moving forward in an ideal world, what would you like to see change for the accessibility community?
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, what a question. Holograms? It, yeah. It really creates to the... You know, you can, you can do some signing in midair. That would be great. Why not? That's my dream. That's my vision. Because deaf people... We have more accessibility, so we can use our iPhone or our iPad to access um, interpreters, for instance. If we live in remote... Uh, locations, or there's no interpreters available. Um, you know, whether they be in Melbourne, you can still you can still um, bring your interpreter to your meeting. So the quality is not too bad, but most most of the time it's it's fine. So I hope one day that it'll be as clear as clear as day there. And you can use captions for hearing impaired people, live captions in meetings, so that's perfect to to read the text as well. But really in the future, maybe in five years, I want that halo. (laughs) Hologram, sorry. David, what about yourself?
1: Um, The first thing that sparked in my mind was HomeKit. I want a smart house. I want the ability to be able to walk up to my front door and say, open, it's me, get moving. I want the ability to turn my lights on and off. I want the ability to be able to turn my air conditioner, set it the right temperature and forget about it. I want my my washing machine to be accessible. I want my microwave to be accessible. I want my stereo system to be accessible. Um, Everything in the house that could possibly be controlled via HomeKit I want it via my Mac, my iPhone, my iPad, my Apple TV, and my Apple Watch. The other thing I really want, and I'm, I'm pestering my wife about this, is we have got to buy a new car soon, and I want it to be CarPlay enabled because if she can drive it, I should be able to have the ability to be able to play with all the other technology toys in the car. So I'm very, I'm going to totally embrace the concept of CarPlay. Uh, that's my next thing. And I, I guess on a more global situation side is probably two things. Again, as I said earlier on, I want other manufacturers and developers to take on board what Apple just does as a a matter of course. Apple doesn't sing about and sing and dance about the fact that they've made everything accessible. It's basically for everybody. Um, And a really good thing about, I guess, about the Apple Watch too is it really raises the awareness amongst developers that not only can you develop and make apps accessible for... You know, the iOS and iOS 10, but you've now got the opportunity to make the Apple Watch accessible as well. And really, it's just sky's the limit. I mean, technology is only limited by your imagination. And I've got stacks of imagination and stacks of ideas, so I'm going to be really enthusiastic to see where one Apple goes in the future and what could be done in version two, three, four, five, six of the Apple Watch.
0: And so David, you mentioned developers. So David, Niemeyer, you know, as a developer yourself, what encouragement or advice would you offer to fellow developers who are creating uh, accessibility features and enablement
3: within their apps? So for me, one of the exciting things of working for the, developing for the Apple platforms is all the built-in accessibility. These are really devices that are designed not for one group of the population, they're designed for everyone and that is one of the reasons that we exclusively develop for the Apple technologies and what we're seeing is that adding that little bit of extra work in terms of making your own apps accessible is not really that hard and it opens up all kinds of unexpected doors like currently in iOS you can set the text size and if you adapt your app to follow that that means that someone who may be elderly and might start needing glasses might still be able to use your app without having reading glasses. And these are sometimes really small changes that you as a developer can make that at the same time lead to something where you are opening up to many, many more people. For example, with our Ploke2go app, it's a communication app, it's about speech. At the same time, what we did, we made sure that it was fully compatible with voiceover so that also a blind user would be able to use it or that a user that cannot physically access the screen can use apple switch control and in many cases the amount of work is really limited and the payoff is really big in terms of people that you'd never expected to use your app who can start using it and in terms of the gratification of those people that this device they bought because they could do everything with it because the device did not discriminate about what disability they might have or might not have, that your app will also work for those people and that it's also an app that is really universal, that there are no boundaries or no borders there for people to be able to access and use that app.
0: So I think we have a a few minutes, so I'd love to take some questions from the audience for one of our uh, three guests. And uh, so who'd like to ask a question? I think we have a microphone here. We can pass it around. love to take some questions from the audience if you have any.
3: So, I just wanted to ask a question about people that are deaf-blind. How would they use the Apple Watch? Like, if they were a deaf-blind person, how would they access everything on that?
1: Okay, well, now, the Apple Watch, there's a few different ways to use it. So, the first of all, if you're talking about a completely deaf-blind person, so, no hearing whatsoever and completely blind, then, currently, the Apple Watch in the current version doesn't support braille displays. That's done via the iPhone. But if you're talking about a person who is partially deaf and blind and can still hear audio, um, and the fact that the Apple Watch can also pair with hearing aids as well, then that's the ability that the Apple Watch can support. And the other one is the haptic feedback for notifications. So I work on the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia, and I've had one person ask about... They use a Braille display on their iPhone. They don't use speech. I didn't ask if they were deaf and blind or not, but they like the fact that the Apple Watch can alert them to notifications coming from their iPhone, and then they can then use the Braille display running on the iPhone to check the notifications. Um, They actually went out to an Apple store this afternoon and had a bit of a play, and I haven't heard back of what their opinion is, but that's definitely one way of using it, the Apple Watch with a Braille display on the iPhone.
3: So, does it have notes on the iWatch? Like, for example, if I leave my phone at home and I've gone out at night and, um, you know, I don't know... You say I want to order something at the pub. Can I type that onto my watch? Like, I'd normally do that on my phone to show the attendant.
2: Yeah, you have notes, just like a shopping list, and you can scroll down and you can read those notes.
0: In fact, that's probably a good... uh A good question as well for uh, for you, David,
3: in terms of communicating while you're out. Yeah, so so the way, for example, Proloco for Text works is you create your phrases on your phone and once you're out and about, you can access those phrases. Um, There are tons and tons of iPhone apps that are currently being adapted to support the Apple Watch and I'm sure there are plenty notes ones as well.
2: Probably for David.
0: Uh, When you talked about um, uh, one of the... I'm I'm interested in an app that might be used by an optometrist with a uh, prescription. So when I look at my iPhone or my iWatch, it automatically knows what my eye requirements are. Is that at all feasible?
1: I'd say at the moment probably no. Um, But... There's a huge... I mean, when I ever check my, the App Store updates every day, I'm, I've got about 398 apps on my iPhone at the moment. Um, and when I fortunately did my first install, I thought, let let's let's me install all the apps that have got Apple Watch extensions, and I ended up with 140 on my Apple Watch. Um, so they're bringing out updates all the time. Um, I've not heard of that type of app, but um, I can always check with the guys at work and see, and I can always Twitter it all... Facebook it anyway, but at the moment, I don't think so. Getting back to that other idea about the notes, I use two apps at the moment. Um, one's called Simple Record and one's called Simple Notes. And unfortunately for those two at the moment, you need to dictate back to the iPhone or record back to the iPhone, so not independent of the iPhone. But um, as David said, there's apps coming out all the time and apps are currently being updated. So I'm looking forward to the app for low-vision people where you can have the iPhone camera looking at a document, and if you want to zoom in, you can use the upper watch itself for zooming in, or if you want to do spot checking, you can use the image on the, the Apple watch screen to read particular text such as a phone book entry.
0: Yes, just in the second row there.
2: Hello, I was just wondering if you've had any feedback from- from people with low vision, how you've gone with the smaller screens.
1: Yep, we actually, I've had about 10 people in the last three weeks ask me about low vision. The thing about the Apple Watch accessibility functions, they've taken a subset of it off the iPhone and the iPad. So, for example, in the Apple Watch app itself, you drill down through accessibility general and accessibility, sorry, settings general accessibility, you have quite a few of the low vision options that you have on the iPhone. So you have reduced motion, um, you also have bolded text, you've got what, what they call on-off labels, so rather than having a tick next to show wherever a, a function is actually on and off, you have grayscale, gray and of course you also have the system zoom or large print. And one of the really cool features about system zoom on the upper watch is that when you enable it, you can actually use the digital crown itself to scroll the magnification in a grid row pattern. So it scrolls across the first row, comes back to the left, goes down to the bottom, the next row, scrolls across, and you can use that way. So rather than scrolling with your fingers, that actually means you can't see the screen, you can use the digital crown for doing low vision magnification access on the watch, and it goes up to 15% uh, magnification on the Apple Watch. for low vision users, I rec- probably recommend the 42mm one over the 38, and also as far as the clock faces are concerned, you've also got the X-large clock face that you can get by doing a force touch on the clock face, select extra large, and then you've got in nice le- uh, in numbers the current time in very, very good large print and good colour contrast as well.
0: Alright, we've probably got time for one or two more questions.
3: So with the Apple Watch, do you need to charge that up? Like, how often does it, will the battery die on that?
2: Uh, it's a, it's, it works a similar, similarly to the iPhone. You, you'll see the battery uh, charge go down. Great, thank you.
1: Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some not nice lifeline numbers. I can take my watch fully charged off at 6am in the morning, so it's 100%. By the time I get to round about 10pm, I've got between... Uh, 20 to 25% left on the Apple Watch, and that's me using it all day with haptic feedback, speech output, using it for making and receiving phone calls, uh, sending iMessages, checking my mail, sending out a few tweets here and there, and generally playing a few text adventure games um, just in passing my time, of course, when I'm not at work. Thank you all for coming. We might give our wonderful guests a big round of applause.
3: And if you enjoyed tonight's presentation about accessibility, we are having some great accessibility workshops happening throughout May and June, so you can check those out on our website or on our Apple Store app. And if you would like to see a little bit more about the Proloquo for text, um, Apple Watch app, and the iPhone app, we will have a table just on the left to me that you can see how that works and have a bit of a demo. We might give our wonderful guests one big more round of applause. And thank you all for coming.
2: The